It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. In by Kulisevsky. Welcome, listeners, to The Extra Inch. My name's Windy, and I'm joined by my sidekick and best friend, Bardi. Hello, Bardi. Hello, Windy. And our tactics guy, and a man who will be giving his opinions on precisely one royal this week. It's Nathan A. Clark. Hello, Nathan. My feelings on the topic are very strong. Yes, I mean, there's lots to say about his um, right-wing back performance today, so let's uh, let's let's get stuck in straight away. And what we'll do, we've got too much to talk about, we'll, we'll go backwards, because we've just watched the match against Sporting. Um, so we'll begin with that one. Uh, and that's why we're probably feeling, coming across as a little unenthusiastic thus far. We kind of feel a bit flat. Uh, we'll go with the team selection, because that's where we always start. One change from the Marseille match. Ben Davis back in for Clermont Langlais. Any surprises there for you, Bardi? Maybe expected a bit of rotation. Maybe expected Kulosevsky to be back in. I would like to have seen something a little bit different because they've had a week's rest. Not been much going on. So, yeah, I would like to have seen something. I'm not sure why Davies started. I thought Longley did pretty good against Marseille. Mm. And other than that, it was just pretty much same old, same old. Um, disappointed that kind of Sun started. He hasn't been playing great and it continued today. It would have been nice to see Kulovsky back. Mm. Uh, so on that point, Nathan, Lafaint says, besides the fact that he's very good, does Conte feel the need to continue to start Sun because no one else is particularly suited to running in behind? Maybe, maybe. I, I, I think that that's an element in it. But I also think, like, obviously no one, very few players want football, but definitely no one in the squad is on the same level um, in terms of offering a threat as running behind. But I think that Richarlison offers something there. And if he didn't, why did we buy him, to be honest? Like, if we don't think that he can... If we feel we have to start Kane and Son every game we want to win, why do we spend 50, 60 million on Richarlison? You know, so he's 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 got to be good enough offering a threat in behind, which I think he is. I think he's playing Sun because he wants to play him through a bad patch. I think that he feels that where some players need need the stick, Sun is lacking confidence and therefore needs confidence put into him, and therefore he has to start him every game until he's scoring. And I don't train with Sun, I don't coach Sun, so. I have a very hard time disagreeing with that. And I don't disagree with that method 
on a conceptual level at all. I think if that's how you feel about a player, then that's the right thing to do. I think that Sun is putting up shots at a decent but not incredible rate. I think the goals will definitely come. The problem is the knock-on effect that it's having. Um, because we're starting Richarlison, we're starting Kane, we're starting Sun, we're not starting Kulusevski. And I think that, that, that the, despite the fact that obviously two of those players are better than Kulusevski, Richarlison is not far behind Kulusevski. It's a downgrade because of what it does stylistically. It's 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 a it's a 12-year-old's FIFA lineup. It's it's the it's the like clickbait um engagement seeking front threes posted in preseason um by, you know, betting accounts. It's just it's such a bollocks <laughs> fucking lineup, man. And it's clearly doing as obvious damage repeat games. And again, why do we spend that money on Richarlison if the player that he's gonna replace is not the one who who needs who obviously physically requires the rest that Kane and Son haven't been getting for seasons? I'm really obviously frustrated with Conte. Um I I have to obviously say like I'm not worried about it in the long term. I still have incredible faith in Conte. Um I'm really optimistic mystic about where we're going this season but right now I'm really frustrated with what's going on with starting Kane, Son and Richarlison. It's, it's, it's three players whose primary motive is to be on the receiving end of chances. Mm. I think I think Nathan summed up that it is really FIFA. Whatever the sprint button is, it's that kind of forward yeah. line. You're just going to tap that sprint button and see what happens. There's no link there. And I think Emerson Royale had an abysmal match, but I think he's really impacted by not having that link up with Kulisewski there, which which looked really good at points early in the, the start of the season and the end of last season. I've got a, a spicy take and a mild take. Which, which do you want first? <laughs> spicy, always spicy. <laughs> okay, my spicy take... Is that I think Antonio Conte is dog shit at rotation. <laughs> yeah. So bad at rotation. Like I don't get it. I don't he the only players he's rotating are Davis and Longley, Sessignon and Perisic, and Kulisevsky and Richarlison. Why why? Why is that the case? I don't understand that logic at all. Um the mild take is I think I agree with Nathan. Uh I, but I think Conte wanted Perisic to cross the ball onto Richarlison's head. Yeah. And I think it's as simple as that. You know, Richarlison on the right, pick, steps up at the back post, gets on the end of stuff. He had a really good chance today with the header. Um, and if that had gone in, it's a different game. Uh, and he, he won us the Marseille game by being brilliant in the air. Yeah. So I really do think that Conte just wanted that combination to come off again. I thought he would keep it simple, keep it tight, you know, low low energy relatively for a lot of the game um, and, and nick uh, a tight game. As I think he's tried to do a lot of this season so far. I mean, I think, I do think he recognises that this is a weird season, um, that the players are going to be playing a lot of football. And so a sort of low intensity style might see benefits later down the line. Um, having said that, we actually pressed quite high in the first half today and quite intently. Yeah, I think it was uh, smart. The pressing was pretty smart because they were terrible at passing out out the back, and it was quite easy to box them in and and punish them. But we were just unable to to break them down. It, there just seems to be a little bit of almost like a lag in Kane and Son's play where they're just not hitting the ball when they should hit it. Kane's brilliant at touching it and then hitting it, and there was a, one occasion at least in the second half where I thought he would have struck it. And, Son in the in the first half had a couple of opportunities where he cut inside and just just swing at it, but it just both of them just seem to be just not quite working yet. Mm. Yeah, it's 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 frustrating to watch Son play repeatedly 
underwhelmingly, and for Kulusevski, who's probably been one of our best players. Not maybe just... our best player, man. Maybe yeah. our best player, and he's he's not started for three consecutive games. It's, it's a strange one. It's a really strange one. Uh, Jonathan has a different take. He says, if Poch was competent, we would still have Marcus Edwards. Would you say it's mostly Poch's fault that we lost today? <laughs> That's a good question. I like that. <laughs> I mean, you're the you're the authority on this, Windy. I was always of the opinion I never saw enough of Marcus Edwards at Spurs. He had 15 minutes in versus Gillingham, and that was it. And then he did okay when he went to um, where did he go? On where did he go? Excelsior. No, but he went somewhere else in Portugal first. Victoria. Victoria. He did okay. I never expected him to pop up in the Champions League of Sports in Lisbon, but um, you probably know. You definitely know more about him, Windy. Yeah, I mean, I think. Edwards, it's a difficult topic, the Marcus Edwards thing, because it a lot of it comes down to people's perceptions of personality and and <laughs> words like effort. I mean, I think it's not right for Spurs to abdicate responsibility in the way they, they manage Marcus Edwards, frankly. So we had him on our book since the age of eight. Um, we had many, many years to help shape him into a professional footballer. Uh, he, he is in my eyes, the most talented youth player we've ever produced in terms of uh, dribbling ability and his touch and the way he can drive opponents. Uh, I mean, obviously, Harry Kane is an incredible, incredible player in so many different ways. But Edwards is also an incredible player in in, in other ways. Uh, And I do think it's a failure of Spurs that we didn't bring Marcus Edwards through. Of course, there is also some responsibility that Edwards has to take for that as well. Uh, turning up late for trading at Norwich didn't do him any favours and these kind of things. It's really hard to know what was going on behind the scenes at those times, but Spurs do not have a great track record of bringing through talent, to be honest. So um, obviously, I, I largely agree with Windy on, on a base level. Um, we can't really um, speculate much to how a, how a player performs in training and their application, their attitude and that kind of stuff. Um, but in terms of how effort materializes on the pitch for Edwards, um, if you want to work backwards from there, you can say that his defensive game um, was was has been non-existent up until this season, which he's played six or seven games now maybe um this season for sporting and now with that small sample now his defensive numbers now his defensive effort now his pressures are coming along he's 23 so um again you have to deal with this complicated situation was was it always going to take him to 23 under every circumstance to arrive at a position where he was um putting in that much defensive effort was it not a matter of of will but of fitness and now he has enough fitness to to be able to apply himself for the full game etc we we can't we can only really speculate but um you have to believe there was a possibility of of working things out better i i think the player he is now the player he is now doing his defensive work no longer being carried by his team and offering what he does offer in attack i think that he will be in the premier league next season yeah, I agree. But I also think that a player like that who can do the things that he does doesn't need to be a good defensive player at 19, 20, 21. I think they do if they want to be starting games at 22, yeah. 23. But I think he would have been an incredible impact player off the bench. Do you think he should have played five seasons of coming off the bench for us? I mean, I think, you know, I think back to how Man City used Phil Foden initially. Yeah. Uh, they brought him off the bench, and he wasn't getting enough games, in my opinion. He should yeah. be playing more, but they, he was getting a, he was getting fleeting appearances, and they were allowing allowing him to learn the system and bed in. 
And if we'd managed Edwards properly, that's what we would have done with him. I think that's a really interesting example. Foden, sorry, Bardi. The the Foden example is, yeah, because he was good enough to be playing games for a long time before he started playing games. And and Guardiola received plenty of criticism for me and others. And the Sancho comparison was right there because they were the same Hmm. year group. Um, and, and similar skill level um, and now the situation is reversed Foden is a uh, a key player for Man City and, and Sancho is a bit part player in a mess of a team although maybe things are going to turn around again there um, so yeah the, the the Foden one is a really interesting one in terms of gradual development and, and seeing the bench and being a rotation option for a long time I guess the counter argument would be City don't have holes in their squads that they need to, to, to they can carry a young talent for a long time because they don't have, yeah, you know, whereas, whereas a club like Tottenham might, he would be our third or fourth forwards. We, we can't have Kulisewski and Edwards, you know, for example, in the squad, whereas a Man City type club can perhaps. You'd also need a, a consistent manager and a consistent approach. That's true. Um, yeah. Pochettino didn't play Carl Walker-Peters and there was a, a huge problem at right back. For, for a long time so that's that's a big problem with Spurs I don't think Jose Jose would never have played Marcus Edwards and no. God knows what Nuno would have done with him so yeah, <laughs> I, I still think as good as Edwards is it probably would never have worked at Tottenham just like it didn't work with Josh Oneman and many other youngsters we just don't have that that foundation and that setup like, like Nathan says to be able to allow a player to grow within the system he was really good today. <laughs> it was nice to see. Uh, yeah, really, really impressive. Great touches dropping off from the front line. And he won their other Champions League game last week too. Mm. Uh, I thought what went a little bit understated with that incredible run and shot he had was Lloris's ridiculous save. Mm. It, that was so good. I mean, that, that ball was going under him and he got his arm down so quickly behind him as well to to keep it out. And it kind of, I think the flat fact that it kind of... Uh, ricocheted off him at a funny angle and made it look a little bit um uh clumsy clumsy yeah yeah uncouth um i i think that kind of detracted from the fact that it was a, a really impressive save from laris uh someone shooting that close in even if it is towards the middle of the goal it's low and it's moving at a pace that is, is hard to stop it was a brilliant save and laris had a fantastic game to be honest yeah, unorthodox saves always look clumsy and a bit and a bit lucky, and it is literally because they, they had to be done really fast. There, yeah. their goalkeeper made an unorthodox save from from Emerson, and it's just because of the, the distance. You just you got to move whatever part of your body you can to get to stop it. Mm, I agree. Uh, Peter Newman says, "Was the press early on game came slash matchup specific a new thing to try out and tinker with? Players just over exuberant and not for instructions or what?" Any thoughts, Nathan? Was this a, was this a specific sporting ploy? No, this is this is how we're going to approach teams that we consider are somewhat below us. I think now mm-hmm. this is how we approach the Fulham game and we controlled mm-hmm. the game. This is how we approached the sporting game and we controlled large periods of the game. Mm-hmm. The sporting worked their way back into it. I actually thought they they um, they developed their possession quite well in the game uh, in the second half more so um, and did well against our pressure. Um, the second half of the second half, certainly. Yes, yes. I mean, we ended up with 45% possession, um, which is not how the game felt at all. Obviously, that, no. that's a measure of total passes rather than time on the ball, which is what you, you would think possession should be. Um, yeah, this was us, uh, for at least the first half, this was us controlling and seeking to dominate the game. But we just we were just wasteful in possession because we were playing three forwards um, and, and our right 
wing back isn't very creative or technical and our midfielders are good midfielders, rounded midfielders, capable midfielders, but no no maestros mm. um between them. You know, it's just mm. it was it was quite an attritional game plan. Um I don't know, the thing we're saying that is that like we've seen that work for Conte in the past when he came up against like Park Buses uh into okay, they had Brozovic Okay, their their wing backs were better, but there was a lot of just repeatedly throwing the ball in the box again and again and again until Lukaku got his head on something. So it's not completely alien or like faulty, but I don't know, it just doesn't work with this selection of players, I don't think. And I and I think that that was very much foreseeable going into the game. And then the other thing with that is like I know Conte knows this. Mm. I know that he he sees the stylistic differences between Richardson and Kuzovsky better than better than I do. He just feels that the positives outweigh the negatives there, that the Richarlison offers isn't enough to make it worthwhile, that the, yeah. that the idea of, of rewarding Richarlison with starts scoring goals does more for the team than a sort of disbalancing the front three does. And I, I disagree, basically, mm. and as simple as mm. that. Mm. Yeah, I, I completely I completely agree with you. Um, we should talk about subs. We We spoke about subs a lot before the start of the season. We were expecting... Yeah. So many subs, all the half-time subs, subs. half time subs. And yet again, we have one sub, and it happened late. It happened on 72 minutes, and that was Kulisevsky for Son. And to be honest, Kulisevsky made a difference. I thought as soon as he came on, he was, he was decent. Um, Jay Peasy says, Why do you think Conte is making so few subs? Is it players getting used to the system, not trusting them? What do you think, Bardi? Is it that he doesn't trust his squad yet? I don't know, but we seem to have a lot of subs today, man. Like. <laughs> You can name Gu- a fair few subs in Europe. That's uh, that the, is true. The Guardian has us down as twelve subs, and we made one substitution. And there was a, quite a few players out there who were just kicking the wall and not doing anything. I would like to have seen something a bit, a bit braver, a bit smarter. You know, mm. had we lost the game two 0 and we'd thrown in Brian Hill, Jed Spence, I would have been all right with it. But then playing out for a draw. So this Conte, when I was watching the Marseille game. And watching this game, Conte seems to do the minimum amount necessary to win the game, mm. but then also making sure you don't lose it. And we arrived at that point yesterday where after 65 minutes, we had a nice little spell and we didn't score our goals. And it mm. was just like, okay, we haven't won the game. Let's not push too hard to win it, but yeah. let's not make sure we lose it. And they scored um, a set piece. And then by then we were broken and they scored a second one. And it's a little bit annoying. And I could see this is why perhaps Conte's performances in Europe have been a bit scratchy because you can't really play like that in, in the Champions League. You need to have a different mindset. And hopefully this is a bit of a wake up call now because if we, um, we got Frankfurt at home and if we mess up at Frankfurt at home, all of a sudden this group goes from being quite okay to being a little bit concerning, especially if, um, Frankfurt get a result against Marseille this evening. So I'm a little bit upset with Conte. Just it's a very it's almost a very it's a very pragmatic and I know it's easy to throw the word pragmatic at Italian coaches and Italian football <laughs> in general, but it is. It's pragmatic and I'm on board with pragmatism when it works like we all are, but I'd like us to see a, a bit more adventure, a bit more kind of swashbuckle let's have a let's have a go at it. I I do want to um praise sporting's coach Amarim and and the individual talent i think that they you know they 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 beat frankfurt they beaten mm. us um they're playing some good football in and out of possession they're not just sort of parking the bus and hitting on the counter um i think that Amarim is 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 uh, an up and coming 
coach definitely um and i probably underestimated sporting and so did we and yeah and, and i i really like the look of both inacio and pedro porro and edwards Pedro you know, Porro is really good. And that's after they've sold some of their better talents in the summer. So yeah. Inacio's Pe- Pe- great. Pedro Porro was at Man City. Yeah, they yeah, he was on a long or double season or something loan. Um, but it was with a clause and they activated the clause in the mm. summer. Although they, they activated the clause last season, it came into effect in the summer. Okay. He looks really handy at right there, back. There's reasonable questions over his build-up play, okay. um, but he's excellent in the final third. And any any right wing back who's excellent in the final third looks like an absolute dream to, to Spurs fans right now. I think sounds Perisicy. Yeah, although I thought Perisic was quite good in build-up play in this he, game. Yeah, he did. He did okay. Although I would say again, major issues with some of his one-on-one defending. Oh my goodness, he's not a good one-on-one defender. Fair but enough. I guess we knew that. We knew that. Um, I actually thought Perisic and Emerson Royale both looked knackered after about sixty minutes today. They sure. just weren't. They weren't tracking back as well. Uh, and I mean, Emerson Royale was terrible for the second goal. Uh, very tired, leggy-looking challenges um he, he just tracked back and got back into shape but really slowly and not well um am i right thinking that in the lead up to the set piece um it came from Luis's amazing save but was perisic beaten one-on-one i feel like maybe he i was? don't think i don't think you could blame him there the um I, I rewound this to have a look and um ignacio does a lovely bit of skill on um and on emerson deep deep in his own half to, after an overhit cross and they kind of work the ball up the guy cuts in on his left foot and hits a good shot i, I don't think you can really blame perisic okay. for that Okay, um, I, I I really thought Conte should have made some some subs at some point, like sixty five minutes max. I I don't really get it. I don't really. I mean, I'm, I've already pointed out that I'm have major concerns about his rotation. Which, to be honest, the rotation isn't just because I mean, people will say he didn't need to rotate. They had a week off. They they had plenty of rest. It's it's about preventing injury later in the season as well, and keeping players just generally fresh. Um, you know, we have another match on Saturday, for example. Yeah. Um, and then we do have a little break, but it's kind of not the point. The, the minutes do stack up across the season, particularly this season. So the, the lack of rotation with the lack of substitutions is um, is a bit of a concern to me. Um, I think I do it's think worse that- than that. I think, I think like, I, we can be frustrated about the starting 11, but but to then make no changes at halftime is... is- is much worse than that. I think this is this is genuinely really bad management tactically and fitness wise. Yeah, yeah. And we have every right to be frustrated with Conte. I think. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, I, I share your your point earlier that you know, obviously, I'm still massively happy with Conte and really yeah. optimistic for the season ahead. Um, I, I do. I think he does need to learn from this and start making some subs and it start involving you know start involving someone like Jed Spence. Or even Matt Doherty in a match like today, give him half an hour and, and then see what happens. Um, if I mean, he Matt Doherty can't be worse than Emerson fucking Royale, man. The, the amount, of char- amount of times we just put the ball into a space and it was just there for him. It's like it's like me going to a butcher and giving a, a, a perfect bit of steak to my brother-in-law for him to cook. It's just pointless. He's just going to fuck it and just mess it up and it really annoyed me sorry so I don't, I don't understand what is going on with Matt Doherty like I didn't realize he was he had a bad injury I, I thought he was just unfavored but it turns out he was lacking fitness but like we're now like mid-September how far away from fitness is he did he make the bench we had yeah. everyone on the bench yeah get but he's everybody not coming on but he's not he's not seeing the pitch at all yeah. I don't understand what's going there and then we're opening up a conversation about Spence I 
I I accept Conte's position that Spence is a development case, that he's more one for the future, that he's a that and and his position that he was a club purchase, but he's already better than Emerson Royale. He just definitely is. He is. He really is. I I really I really don't hate Emerson Royale, but when you see him have okay, so he had three chances today. We we give him some credit for getting into the position to be on the end of those chances. Yep. Even with that credit, it was so frustrating. I mean, it's so frustrating when the ball lands at his feet or head in the box because he's so poor in the final third. He's so poor in the final third. Um, he's got a lot of qualities. I really like him as a player, as a guy. I think he's he's a good squad member. Um, but he's he's just desperately bad in the final third. And to to not have made a change at some point was deeply frustrating but again I think it comes back to Conte just wanting to nick the game 1-0 he wants to nick a tight game 1-0 and he feels that the best chance of doing that is keeping the what he sees as the best 11 players on the pitch to do it it's yep. it's all very odd my issue is not his missed chances to be honest with you you're right those he got in a decent position it's everything else it's the the, the loopy cross that doesn't go anywhere it's the wandering yeah, offside they are bad it's getting in the getting in the way of build up it's slowing build up down it's that's what gets me more than the the missed chances happen you know Kane misses chances as well the one that was really bad was um he had the ball on the right or two players in front of him Kulusevski made a run down the line just had to play a simple ball yeah. down the line to Kulusevski and he tries this ridiculous cross and yeah. the, the the camera pans to Conte who's just going ballistic on the touchline sub him off then you got yeah. four four subs to go mate oh yeah. god don't make me hate you Conte please <laughs> <laughs> 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. John says, were we unlucky today or have we just been lucky in all the other matches? And this is something I'm seeing a lot on social media post-match. People saying, the chickens came home to roost. This is how we've been playing all season. This this loss has been coming. I'll be honest, I kind of disagree with that take. Yeah, I'm not there. I think we have to talk about Marseille, basically, to acknowledge this. Um, well, let's do that now. Let's dip into Marseille. Spurs fans were really frustrated with the Marseille performance because we allowed Marseille to have the ball, but... Um, I think I mentioned on the last pod, but, but mainly I mentioned in the preview video that I did for that, that that is definitely the correct tactical approach to the Marseille game. And it's how we've approached several league games um, this season, probably more so than we should have done. Maybe we should have wrestled the game back from Forest and made it our own, for example. Um, 
but by and large we've played a lot of low block encounter this season whereas you might have thought from preseason we'd be pressing more mm. um the thing with the marseille game is like we were struggling to turn counterattacks into actual opportunities marseille was suffocating our counterattacks well until they, were. they weren't the sun was through the first time we have a quality counterattack they foul him off the balls he's uh, with last man red card game completely changes right mm-hmm. so that to me is a sign i mean <laughs> sun breaks his 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 no scoring streak if that doesn't come through right you'd be pretty confident on that um so i think that without the red cards the counterattacks come our way um mm-hmm. uh, and and that's a much more impressive performance so I'm, I'm not worried I, about the Marseille I wasn't, game. I wasn't unhappy with the Marseille game either. I thought they, we were they, just fine. They they had no threat with all yeah. of their possession. They were worse than us against Sporting with their possession. They had like totally two agree. shots. And and again, as as we looked into in the tactical preview video, they just forced their attacks. Uh, and with, with, with so many men behind the ball for Spurs, there was just no threat there. So I was... Not worried about the Marseille game. Yeah, okay, we we could have done better in a couple of games in the in the league and looks more impressive. But I'm not been generally worried too much about about this season. I I want to see us control more games. I want to see us turn that control into chances by playing Kulusevski or Hill. Like if you can, I was, just, take I was just about to say Hill, that. You know, I was just about to say exactly the same thing. I think it's 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 the way he's mismatching the rotation. It's uh, it has to be. It has to be Hill who will drop deep to receive defeat and try and create from deep rather than Richarlison who wants to run and be on the end of the crosses and, and make runs into the channels. Do you remember Stephen Bergvine? <laughs> Do you remember how he wouldn't play Bergvine over Lucas um, because yeah. he said Bergvine's a forward so he plays in Kane or Son's role? And therefore, because he sees he saw Bergvine as significantly inferior to Kane and Son, he barely saw the pitch. And then we brought in Kulusevski, who was more of a secondary <laughs> creator type. But now we're playing Richarlison. The idea that Richarlison can play the supporter creator role, I think, is a is a massive misstep. Yeah, if that's what the thinking is. Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, Richarlison won won us the Marseille game with with two fantastic finishes. Um, I really sorry. Go on. So I just one more thing. One more thing on on the Richarlison selection and the Marseille game is I think that he was specifically chosen in that game because um, as as an option to play long to as an aerial target. Him and Kane against Marseille's backline playing long. We played long to, long to them a lot and very deliberate lofted high balls, and that was clearly yeah. a tactical plan. So for the Marseille game, I was like, okay, I think we probably should have had Kulusevski in that that game. But I understand why you've gone Richarlison. Um, but then to see that again against Sporting is is there's no there's no good reason I don't think. Uh, so I do agree I do agree with that, and I thought we looked really good when we were chipping the board into Caden Richardson, and then we kind of just stopped doing that. But I would also say that Kulusevski is also very good at receiving the ball with his back to goal and and holding it up. Um, sure, maybe Richardson's a bit better, but but I think Kulusevski does that just fine. Um, what I was going to say was there was this really lovely moment post-match where Richardson walks over to his family in the crowd, uh, having just scored two goals in his Champions yeah. League debut and and just bursts into tears uh, and, and covers his face because he's embarrassed. But Bless him. I love that guy already. Yeah. Not, not going to lie, I, I wasn't watching that bit. I was watching it all kick off in the away end, which was just <laughs> yeah. incredible. Mm. Was it mad? Oh, it was madness. There was... The, the best bit is occasionally somebody, even from the Spurs side or the Marseille side, would just break through the stewards and go wandering across and they'd get halfway 
and then they kind of like think better of it, <laughs> swing a swing a fist or two, kick out a leg, and then kind of waddle, waddle back. And yeah, I'm, I I don't advocate violence or the throwing of flares, but somebody pinged a flare from the Marseille crowd into the Spurs lot, and it was, it was yeah, it looked like something from an Avengers film. It just <laughs> took out took out a Spurs player, wow. and uh, that's why I spent ten minutes after the final whistle watching. Yeah. <laughs> The game was the game, it was nice to have Champions League football back. I thought mm. it was a bit of a pantomime booing Kenduzi, who's who's a he's a fair to middling player, but he seemed to really try and score. He got he got around the pitch, but it was like you said, give them the ball and just wait for our moments. And it was that kind of tactical game where we just wait for them to make a mistake, and they made the biggest error they can make by getting a player sent off. And then it was just like they couldn't go man for man, and we had a man over every single time, and the goal was going to come eventually. Mm. But I have to say that when they took off Romero and put on Tanganga. There was an audible shock around the ground. Just we didn't get it. Did they have we had any insight into why he made that change? Uh, I don't know, but I thought Tanganga was really good on the ball, and it just supported my <laughs> argument that Tanganga is much better than Sanchez in possession. He was decent, and I mean, he had all the field to kind of wander. Yeah, up into yeah. It was, I mean, it's a great, it's a great game for him to come into. You know, ten mm. against ten men, give him, give him some. Give him some fitness in his legs. Uh, he did a good job, I thought. Um, I was going to say something and it's completely gone. But even that rotation doesn't make sense, you know? Well, that, that was ahead of what was meant to be the City game, I think. Yeah. Getting, getting okay. our, our, you know, our wide centre-backs fresh for that. I don't mind mm. that so much. Genduzzi, uh interesting role he plays for Marseille. Yeah. Um, inside right. Inside right in the sort of the band of five attacking players in possession. Uh, so pressed right up against the Spurs defence a lot of the time then dropping deep into pockets whereas for Arsenal he was often the deepest midfielder yeah um, yeah really interesting thought the referee was awful I thought the time wasting was something else I've never seen that level of time wasting so it was it was good to smash him up in the end yeah yeah I mean I don't I'm not overly worried about the Champions League group I think I mean, I really do think this was the sporting game was a game that, that could have gone our way if things had just landed a little differently sure in terms um, of the shots and expected goals, it was pretty close, but pretty yeah, pretty um, the, low. Yeah, the the second goal. I mean, that kind of thing's going to happen when you're, sure, you're sort of giving up on game. defending and you're pre- yeah, exactly. You're, you're committing players forward. It's it's whatever. Um, it's everything that happens before that really that is is the concern. Yeah, it's the sort of lack of proactive changes by Conte and the, the initial team selection. I think that's the issue. Um, so we do we play Leicester next, who probably. are not in. Yeah, probably play Leicester next, who are not in a great place to be honest. They're uh, they're having a bit of a, a rough old time of it to be honest. Um, do we think there will be many changes, or do we think he will just roll out the same team again? <laughs> Gotta roll out the same team again. I'm gonna be so fucking annoyed if he plays Richarlison, Son, and Kane against Leicester. Yeah, that would be. No, oh, don't put that in my head, man. I'm <laughs> all, I'm now annoyed for the next game already, which is not where I wanted to be with 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 Conte, you know. Yeah, I mean Leicester have lost their last five Premier League games, so oh, they're in... bad. They're they're pretty bad. They they, I mean they haven't replaced a very good goalkeeper for a start. Uh, they've got a terrible goalkeeper. He's yep. awful. So we just need to take lots of shots against Leicester, I think. Um, oh, one thing we didn't touch on against Sporting. Set pieces were majestic. Yes. Like really like inventive, exciting set pieces that, that could easily have come to more. Lots of nice little um, 
scripted runs off the ball. Yeah. Um, the cane, yeah. the cane across the uh, runners in behind from the mm. from the indirect free kick is really nice. Got got yeah. a shot off there, I think. Yeah. More goals, more goals are going to come from those set pieces. It would be nice if um, someone could do our defensive set pieces as well. Mm, though. Mm, mm. I mean, I th- personally, I think Leicester is a really good time to to do some a bit of rotation. I think play play Kulusevski at the expense of Son. Play Richarlison on the left. I think is there a if, midweek after that? No, we've got a little gap, so I think you can afford to. I mean. The thing is, because he's got a, he's got a gap, he won't rotate. Yeah, but I, I I mean I think we could play skip in this one, for example, instead of, of Hoybier, and it would be just fine. I think we could play we should play Longley against Leicester. Uh, I think we could play Matt Doherty against Leicester, and I think all of that would be just fine, and we'll win. We shall see. We shall see. Uh, Edward says, "Who was the best dressed fighting cock or extra inch member at Flav's wedding, and why was it Ricky?" Um, Good picture that. Really good picture. Good picture of the whole group. Many, many congratulations to Flav and Congrats. and his wife, Ollie. Um, we had a wonderful, wonderful time at the wedding. Really good to see everyone, uh, to hang out, to see Flav um, loving his, what he has said is the, was the best day of his life. Uh, he was, he was very emotional. It was, it was just delightful. And I got to hang out with Bardi and his wife all day, which was mm-hmm. which was great for me. It was a it was a great day. The weather was nice. The venue was beautiful, and um, I I've grown very fond of of older weddings now. People who are slightly older getting married, I do I do like it. And I do appreciate it. And it's it's just nice to to be able to hang out with everybody as well. I've um, felt a bit rough on Sunday, and I still felt rough on Monday. I haven't been hungover since since June, so it was a quite a shock to the system because of your marathon training. Because I've been training and alcohol affects my sleep and everything else, so I've not yeah I've not been hung over in months. And it was uh, it was a wake up call. It's like oh yeah, that's what that does. Yeah, my all hangover, fun, all, all fun and games at a time. My hangover really kicked in about sort of two three o'clock on the Sunday <laughs> afternoon. Delayed uh, reaction hangover. That's that's a classic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was not welcome. And Bardi was feeding me this um, Colombian fire water all day <laughs> on top of everything else I was drinking. It's um if you just stick with one spirit you're okay. You'll you'll be alright the next day. My wife just drank it's called Aguadiente, it's um Colombian fire water. It's only twenty nine percent and you just drink it shot version the whole night. Um when we finished our supply we had about a litre and a bit with us for the wedding. When we finished that supply I started I switched to Negronis at eleven o'clock at night, which is never the smart thing to do. <laughs> Your first Negroni was hilarious as well because it was so bad. It was so badly mixed and you had to it take was, it back. No, no, I didn't want to take I'm a polite person, but um, Lee's wife, Jolene, she she frog-marched me back to the bar and made me tell off the barman. And then from then on, whenever they saw me approach, they just handed me the gin, the Campari and the vermouth and oh, I just mixed, mixed my own. <laughs> so much easier, so much easier. Oh, it was a good time. It was a good time. I mean, basically, that wed- picture what you think Flav's wedding would be like, and that was it. <laughs> yeah, it, was, yeah. it was extremely bohemian. Yeah, yes, it was. Yeah, that's the word, yeah. In, in the best possible way. Mm. Yeah, it was, it was just wonderful. Um, I don't think I can, I don't think I can do any more Spurs chat, boys. I feel, I feel just a little bit underwhelmed after sporting. What do you reckon? Do we leave it there? You've been enjoying House of the Dragon, Wendy. <laughs> I am really liking it. Are you an episode behind still? We can't talk about episode 
four. I, I've seen episode four. Okay. I suppose we're probably... Spoil- spoilers for yeah. House of the Dragon I, coming up okay. right now. No, but I have Wait. not watched any episodes yet. Ah, oh, okay. okay. All right, all right, yeah. all right, all right. All right. Uh, so, so I will talk um, about it in a way that is spoiler-free. <laughs> I, I'm really enjoying the cast. Yeah. I think it's very well cast. Uh, I'm really enjoying the tone. Um, yeah. I'm, re- I'm really enjoying the... Uh, amount of politics in the- yes definitely and episode four was was really really good for returning to that yes meat and potatoes what made game of thrones really good politics intrigue stuff yes i mean it just feels like the good early game of thrones yeah it does seasons two and three sort of stuff that but was- with lo- with lovely jubbly new characters and actors yeah I'm really enjoying it. There was so there was a battle sequence in one of the episodes um, <laughs> that I that I wasn't too yeah. keen on. That was that was a bit that was a bit season eight for me. Yeah, it was a bit Marvel, a bit um, silly, but but otherwise looking really really good, really good. It's and good the source stuff. material is finished, so you know. <laughs> Hopefully it carries on like this. I mean, they've pulled me back in, basically, is what's happened here. I'm totally pulled back in. Yeah, I'm not. I, I read um, what is written of the A Song of Ice and Fire main series, but I'm not intending to read Fire and Blood. So I think I just want to, yeah, just I'm, keep fresh. Can't be this. asked. I can't be asked either. That was uh, are either of you watching the Lord of the Rings show? I've been watching. Yeah, that. I like it. Yeah. I, I haven't seen it yet, but I'm going to be watching it with my new girlfriend. <laughs> Ooh, we talking about that on the podcast now? Uh, I, I think I can. I it's can. out. It's out. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah, you tweeted about it. I remember now. Yeah. Actually, can I talk about it on the podcast? Fuck, you might have to edit that. Yeah. You said that you 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 tweeted out that you were dating someone. Mm, yeah. Right? So to say that she's your girlfriend is that a big step? Fuck it, leave it in. Okay. Okay. All right. We move. I think Lord of the Rings is okay. I think the it's, film, the the, yeah. the the series. I mean. I'm, okay. I've been mildly surprised. I thought it was going to be terrible, but it looks beautiful. The the story is quite nice. It's always it's, it's, it's triggering that geek in me, which is really nice. So I, yeah, I've, I've been enjoying it so far. Mm. I didn't like the first episode actually. To be honest, I thought the, the pacing of the first episode was pretty dull. And then mm. I was going to leave it there, and I was persuaded I should try episode two, and that was a lot better. Mainly because I think it had a lot less elf in it and elves are the most boring characters and this had more humans and dwarves and and hobbits and stuff and that was more well they're not actually hobbits um halflings and that was much more fun because they're more interesting characters yeah elves are are a bit kind of graham potter just kind of milling around and just just (laughs) talking about xg (laughs) do you like the cast yeah yeah it's a lot like, of sort well, of the elves aren't semi-known very, people. Yeah, the the elves aren't sufficiently aesthetically elvish for me. Not only okay. are they boring characters, expect, more so when like it's it's exclusively elves in a scene together. It's okay to have one elf in a mixed cast, but when they are just elves being elvish around each other, it's really annoying. Anyway, they aren't like dainty, tall, mm. pale mm. enough for me. Interesting. Casting. Yeah, look, looking looking forward to seeing it. Looking forward to seeing it. Anything else we want to talk about? <laughs> anything but Tottenham <laughs> yeah I've got some thoughts on the royal family <laughs> cut you have been listening to The Extra Inch with me Windy my sidekick and best friend Barney and our tactics guy Nathan if you like this there's plenty more at patreon.com forward slash The Extra Inch production is by Nathan A. Clark 
Our logo, artwork and website are designed by Creighton Miller. Our music is by David Lindmer. You can find him on Instagram at David Lindmer. Do check him out. He's great. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Extra Inch. Email us at podcast at theextrainch.co.uk. Subscribe, leave us a rating and a review. And most importantly, be sure to tell all of your Spurs friends. Shout out to the X-Sub, we love every single last one of you. And of course, come on you Spurs. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.